You are relaxing on a boat in the Cape Cod Bay off the coast of the U.S. state of Massachusetts. It's a gorgeous day on the water. The blue sky seems close enough to touch and is dotted with white, fluffy clouds. The blue-green water stretches out for miles around you. The sun is warm on your face and a soft breeze caresses your skin, bringing with it a pleasant, briny odor. Your lips taste of salt as you observe the beauty around you and your boat gently rises and falls with the swells of the waves. The ocean is constantly moving, constantly changing, yet there is a hypnotizing quality to the gentle waves that stretch to the horizon. Your eyes are drawn to the birds circling high overhead and dropping back to the water. Following the bird's trajectory, you notice a splashing about 40 feet to the starboard side of your boat. You focus on the splashing and notice a triangular fin slap the surface of the water. You wonder for a minute if it's a shark, but the fin flaps up and down rather than gliding along smoothly. As you drift closer, you see that the fin belongs to an extraordinary looking fish floating on the surface of the water. Rather than the thin, streamlined shape you are familiar with, this fish's body is flat and round, like a ball of dough compressed by childish hands. There is a long, triangular fin on the top, like a backward-facing dorsal fin. A mirror image of this fin projects from the underside of the fish, and both flap like flippers, sometimes breaking the surface of the water and propelling the creature along at a leisurely pace. And it's big, around eight feet. There isn't really a discernible tail, giving the fish the look of a giant swimming wheel. The skin is a light gray color with spots and speckles that fade almost white along the bottom and a silvery sheen. Wide, expressive eyes and an open mouth give the fish the appearance of being surprised, but it seems to take little notice of you or your boat calmly basking on the surface of the water as if sunbathing. As you continue to puzzle over the odd appearance of this behemoth of the deep, it slowly descends back into the depths with a leisurely push of its fins and you blink, wondering what on earth you just observed. You have just had an encounter with one of the most peculiar fish on our planet, the ocean sunfish, sometimes called the Mola Mola. Welcome to your new favorite animal podcast, a podcast for people who love learning about the extraordinary animals that we share our big, beautiful planet with. Join me each episode as we take a journey to learn about a new, amazing, and fascinating creature. Hello, and welcome to our second episode of your new favorite animal podcast. I'm Susie Kay, and today we're learning about the ocean sunfish. If you're not familiar with this animal, get ready to be amazed. And if you are familiar with it, you're still in for a treat, as I've collected tons of amazing facts about this ocean behemoth's life, history, conservation status, and ways that you can help. I always try to provide a detailed and accurate description of the creatures I'm covering, but if you are more visual, please check out my website at https colon slash slash 
yournewfavoriteanimal.weebly.com for photos, videos, and more of the amazing creatures that we cover. Now let's see if we can make the ocean sunfish your new favorite animal. Let's start with the basics. Ocean sunfish are saltwater fish. There are freshwater fish referred to as sunfish, so the ocean part is important. You also might hear me refer to this group of fish as the molas, which is their genus. The ocean sunfish is the heaviest bony fish on Earth. The current record as of 2022 was a sunfish from the species Mola alexandrini found off the coast of the Azores Islands, which weighed 6,050 pounds. That's 2.7 metric tons. That is a single fish that weighs almost as much as two hippopotamuses. There are multiple species and genera of ocean sunfish. Today, we're focusing on the largest, the three species in the Mola genus. The Mola Mola, called the common Mola, Mola alexandrini, called the giant ocean sunfish, and Mola tecta, known as the hoodwinker sunfish. As a side note, I love this name, hoodwinker sunfish, and we'll learn more about their name when we discuss the history of the sunfish. There are a lot of bizarre fish in our big, beautiful ocean, but ocean sunfish are truly in a league of their own. Picture the outline of a sea turtle without any back flippers. That is kind of what the ocean sunfish looks like. They have a flattened oval body that's usually a mottled gray color. They are countershaded, so the top is darker while the underside is lighter. Countershading is common in many ocean animals because when you look at the animal from above, they blend in with the darker waters. And if you look at it from below, it blends in with the light coming down from the surface. Mullahs have also been observed changing color, going darker when they feel stressed. From the ocean sunfish's round body extends long dorsal and anal fins from their back and belly, kind of like an orca's dorsal fin, but facing backwards. When you include the length of these fins, the mola is taller than it is long, and some species have been recorded at nearly 11 feet long. Instead of a true tail, like you see on most fish, they have a kind of pseudo-tail called a clavis. The clavis doesn't include a caudal fin, but instead is a fusing of the rays from both the dorsal and anal fins. The clavis can be wavy or scalloped, as in the case of mola mola, and serves as a kind of rudder. In fact, the word clavis is actually Latin for rudder. They also have small, fan-shaped pectoral fins that they can use to propel themselves and as stabilizers. Instead of scales, their skin is covered with denticles and a layer of mucus. Denticles are tiny, tooth-like plaques that make the skin feel rough like sandpaper. The skin is also super thick, and in some regions of the body, it's several inches thick. The ocean sunfish has a beak made up of teeth that have fused together. These teeth are so large the ocean sunfish actually cannot completely close its mouth, giving them this adorable, dopey look. When they're under a meter in length, they actually have rough plates inside the mouth that help them tear their food apart. As they age, they lose these plates, just like we lose baby teeth. And these aren't their only teeth. 
The mola also has pharyngeal teeth. These are curved, pointed teeth in the throat that help to tear food and keep their slimy meals of jellyfish and squid from getting out once the sunfish swallows them. Sunfish actually suck in their prey and then blow the seawater back out. These sharp pharyngeal teeth help keep the slippery jellyfish from being spit back out with the seawater. Having such a unique body morphology means the sunfish needs a unique way of moving. Instead of using a tail to propel itself forward like most fish, the mola uses those long dorsal and anal fins on the top and bottom of its body. These fins wave side to side and use a twisting motion to move the mola forward. They usually swim along at a leisurely two miles an hour, though they are capable of much faster speeds, with smaller ocean sunfish even being known to breach, shooting out of the water and flopping back down. In fact, the only ever known injuries to humans from ocean sunfish were caused from when they leapt out of the water and landed on boats. Most fish have a swim bladder, which is an internal gas-filled organ that allows them to control their buoyancy without having to expend a lot of energy. The ocean sunfish does not have a swim bladder. Instead, their super thick skin has a layer called the hypoderm that helps them be almost neutrally buoyant. This layer will actually get thicker in proportion to how big the mola gets. Smaller ocean sunfish have around 26% of their body mass made up of this buoyant layer. But in larger fish, this layer can comprise more than 40% of their body mass. So as their weight increases, the skin thickens to compensate for the added weight. Ocean sunfish are considered generalist predators when they're young, feeding on small fish, larvae, squid, crustaceans, and jellyfish. This is why they have those plates. As they grow, they move towards a diet based on zooplankton, like jellyfish and salps. They can even eat Portuguese man-of-war, the sting of which can be deadly to a human. The mucus covering is thought to protect them from the stings. Researchers have found that while jellyfish aren't the most hearty meal you can have, ocean sunfish are actually a bit picky about which parts of the jellyfish they eat, focusing on eating the most nutritionally dense parts. So while ocean sunfish are out there preying upon hundreds of slimy things, what is preying upon them? Well, once a sunfish gets really big, there isn't much that can eat them. This large size and their tough skin are their main defense, but they are known to be hunted by orca, sharks, and sea lions. The ocean sunfish is found in warm and temperate ocean basins all over the world. The only place they don't really go is polar regions. They are pelagic, meaning that they spend the majority of their time in the open ocean, where there really aren't many people going. Most people only see ocean sunfish when the fish are at the surface sunbathing. The ocean sunfish spends its day moving up and down in the water column. They have been recorded going to depths of 1,000 meters down. Down this deep, it can get pretty cold. One tagged mola was recorded in water that was about 35 degrees Fahrenheit, or 1.8 degrees Celsius. So after a deep dive, the ocean sunfish needs to warm up. Gliding along the surface of the ocean is a good way to get the rays needed to quickly raise their body temperatures back to normal. This sunbathing behavior is where the ocean sunfish gets its name in English. 
It also has some pretty amazing names in other languages, too. The Latin name mola means millstone. Other languages refer to them as moonfish. Many of their Scandinavian names translate to lumpfish. And the Chinese translation is toppled wheel fish. But my personal favorite is the German translation, which means swimming head. So now that we've covered the basics, let's get into some fun facts about the ocean sunfish. I've mentioned that Mola alexandrini is recorded as being the heaviest bony fish and that they can grow to massive sizes. Bony fish have, well, bones, as opposed to cartilaginous fish like sharks. The ocean sunfish's skeleton is, much like everything else about it, unique. Most of their skeleton is actually secondarily cartilaginous, but the vertebra stay bony bone. However, in contrast to its huge size, their spinal cord is so short. An ocean sunfish that is about 8 feet long will have a spinal cord that is about 1 inch. Their spinal cord is actually smaller than their brain, which isn't very big to begin with anyway. A 500-pound mola will have a brain around 5 grams. That's equal to the weight of a teaspoon of table salt. Despite these small brains, divers have found them to be very aware of their surroundings and curious. Molas in aquariums are trained to touch a target for their food, so they are certainly sentient creatures. Molas are also very much prone to parasites. There are 66 different species of parasites that can be found on the mola mola or the common mola. They are basically a parasite hotel, with parasites found on their skin, in their internal organs, in their muscle tissue, and on their gills. Now, while the thought of parasites can be a little bit gross, they do provide awesome opportunities to learn more about molas and their lives. Many parasites have different life stages that they go through, just like how a caterpillar will eventually become a butterfly. Some of the mola's parasites start off their lives inside of jellyfish. Then, when an ocean sunfish eats the jelly, the parasites mature into their adult stage and are able to reproduce. This goes the other way as well, as some parasites that are found in ocean sunfish are actually the larval stage of a shark tapeworm. It lives in the mola just in case it's eaten by a shark, at which point the tapeworm will mature in the shark. This parasite rolls the dice and infests an ocean sunfish on the assumption that its host will get eaten. Having so many parasites isn't very comfortable, but the ocean sunfish has found some ways to deal with it. Ocean sunfish travel to coral reefs to visit cleaning stations. Here, they float while smaller species of fish will eat the parasites off their bodies. It's basically a mola spa day. Seabirds have also been observed eating parasites off of molas when they're basking at the surface. It's also believed that their breaching behavior might be done in an attempt to remove parasites when they land back in the water. If you were to look online, you might find rants wondering about how the ocean sunfish hasn't gone extinct. Well, besides them being perfectly suited for their environment, they have a great strategy for reproduction. They make lots and lots and lots of baby sunfish. Female ocean sunfish produce more eggs than any other vertebrate animal. Female ocean sunfish have been found to contain 300 million eggs in a single ovary, and those ovaries are huge. One large female caught in 2008 
had a 117-kilogram ovary. That's over 257 pounds. And all of those eggs make some pretty amazing babies. When baby sunfish hatch, they are less than 2 millimeters long. If those babies make it to adulthood, they will have grown 600 million times their original size. Growth like this is just not possible with regular bones, which helps to explain that tiny vertebral column. Cartilage is much easier to grow, and it's lighter than bone. When baby mola first hatch, they have a tail fin fold and a notochord, just like regular fish. They actually look a little bit like the ocean sunfish's cousins, the pufferfish. Then they go into their prickly stage. This is where they're covered in spines. Adorable spines, but spines nonetheless. The notochord atrophies and the tail goes away and the anal and dorsal fin rays develop, making them into little spiky balls. This is the most adorable Pokemon-looking little baby fish you will ever see. And this stage is sometimes called the Ostachian Boops stage, which is just the perfect name. However, you do not want to boop this baby because you would crush them since they're only about four to five millimeters long. Now, in most fish, this is when the larvae would become juveniles, where they look more like mini versions of the adults. But the ocean sunfish, ever the nonconformist, has an extra in-between stage. It's actually called the molacanthus stage, since they're the only fish that do it. The spines shorten until they are lost completely. The clavus develops, and their dorsal and anal fins lengthen until they take on that well-known and unique ocean sunfish shape. Baby sunfish hang out together in schools for protection until they're big enough to go off on their own. From then on, they are generally solitary. Oh, and remember a few minutes ago when I mentioned that ocean sunfish lack a swim bladder? Well, that's not entirely true. The larval form of the ocean sunfish does have a swim bladder. They just lose it as they grow. Now on to the history. The mola mola, or the common mola, was first described in 1758. Mola alexandrini was described in 1839. But the mola tecta, the hoodwinker sunfish, was not described until 2014. I think we need a story for this. So back in 2004, scientists found traces of DNA of a new species of mola in seawater but they just could not find an example of it. Turns out, it was there all along. It just looked so much like other species of sunfish that it hoodwinked the scientists. Researchers are now looking back at past specimens and realizing that the hoodwinker sunfish has been in plain sight all along. It's just so similar to the mola mola that they were always misidentified. With their very strange body morphology, the ocean sunfish seems like it's ancient. But they're actually a pretty young species of fish. Fish appeared around 500 million years ago in the fossil record, but ocean sunfish only showed up around 50 million years ago. Ocean sunfish are in the same order as pufferfish, triggerfish, and boxfish. These are called the tetradontiforms. Ocean sunfish actually evolved from a type of pufferfish. Pufferfish generally prefer to live near reefs, but one enterprising group began to move away from the reef and out into open water. Here, they became very specialized for their environment and their diet. 
So while we may think that they look weird, they are very well suited to their habitat. Form follows function, especially in a form as unique as the ocean sunfish. Believe it or not, at one time, ocean sunfish were included as plankton. They were thought to just drift along with ocean currents. But more recent tagging research has showed that this is not the case, with scientists such as Dr. Tierney Tees finding that sunfish will travel thousands of miles with and against ocean currents. This brings us to conservation information. So what is the ocean sunfish's conservation status? Most recently, they were listed as vulnerable, and the IUCN red list status of all the ocean sunfish species is being updated as we speak. While they're not fished for in Western cultures, molas are often caught as bycatch in gill nets for other species. And as ocean temperatures increase from climate change, some areas are seeing an increase or dominance of jellyfish. As a predator of jellyfish, ocean sunfish will continue to be vital to the ocean ecosystem. So what can everyday people do to help with conservation? A big part is just to help care for our oceans. Our planet is mostly water, and though we label all of those big bodies of salt water as separate oceans, they're all connected. The ocean is the mola's home, so supporting ocean conservation is supporting ocean sunfish conservation. Be aware of preventing litter in the ocean. Pick up trash at the beach. Don't throw things overboard when you're out in a boat. And eat sustainable seafood. For every pound of shrimp caught, there are around 15 pounds of bycatch thrown back. Sometimes this bycatch is dead or injured. The leisurely swimming pace of the ocean sunfish means that they often get caught as bycatch from other species. If you want to make sure that you are eating sustainable seafood, the Monterey Bay Aquarium has easy-to-understand consumer guides on their website, which I'll link in the show notes and on my website. And finally, help support research. Though scientists are learning more about these ocean behemoths every day, there is still so much more to learn about their role in the ocean ecosystem and their lives. One way to support their research is through a program called Adopt a Sunfish that can be found at oceansunfish.org. So now that you've learned a little bit more about this awesome, baby-making, entirely unique giant of a fish, is the ocean sunfish your new favorite animal? If it is, you're in luck. Even with all the amazing discoveries that I've covered in this podcast, there is still so much that we don't know about the ocean sunfish. How fast do they grow? How long do they live? Where do they spawn? Why are they so large? And how is climate change affecting them? If you want to help, you can participate in citizen science activities with the ocean sunfish, which I will link on my website. And never forget that you are never too old to learn or pursue the sciences. I just finished my master's in biology after being an elementary school teacher for years, and I just turned 40, so you're never too old to pursue your passion. I also want to send out a special thanks to Dr. Tierney Tees, who helped me fact-check my script. If you want to learn more about the ocean sunfish, you can check out the book, The Ocean Sunfishes, Evolution, Biology, and Conservation a collaboration of some of the top minds in ocean sunfish science, including the incredible Dr. T's. This will also be listed on my website. Thank you so much for listening and learning about the amazing ocean sunfish. Tune in soon for another awesome animal 
that just might become your new favorite. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Your New Favorite Animal Podcast. If you're enjoying it, please leave me a positive review on your podcast app. If not, let me know how I can improve by emailing me at yournewfavoriteanimal at gmail.com. This is a work in progress, so I would love feedback so I could make the show even better. Or just send me a message or a meme so I know I'm not rambling into the ether. If you would like to learn more about me or the animals we discuss on the podcast, check out my website at www.yournewfavoriteanimal.weebly.com. Thank you and be kind to each other. Susie out. Your new favorite animal podcast was recorded and edited by Susie K. The intro and outro music is Lighthearted Joy by Music Town. Sources used for each episode are listed in the show notes and on the website. Thanks again for listening.